Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Happy Balls McWednesday, everybody. Like a posy last hour. If you missed him, go back, catch up at your leisure tomorrow. Ty McGahee, assistant coach, also going to be on the program. So rolling on in all things baseball right now. Also uh, should, I think... uh, celebrate the fact that uh that uh, it was a double double win last night we had a good time with that it was it was a lot of fun by the way i didn't mention lighter much in that interview because we kind of already talked about him after the weekend that was you're right i probably should have brought that up he was electrifying on friday i suspect he was more of the known commodity a lot of people thought that's what we were going to see uh, that's probably why I spent a little bit more time on Dorsey. We've seen him twice, and he's looked unbelievable both times. But really, all of Florida State's pitchings look very, very good. Uh, some of the younger guys in the bullpen, you know, were a little spotty in terms of location in their first efforts. But that's that's going to happen when guys are getting their first opportunity. But no, I don't want to overlook Leiter. He's going to be a stud. One thing that stands out and goes a long way in likability quotients, right? is there's a whole bunch of what for from a lot of these guys. Uh, no more uh, timidity running around here. I mean, I, I like uh, rolling on the border of kind of being annoying. I'm all right with that. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I think Cam would qualify at the top of the lineup as, uh, as that on the borderline uh, in his key at bat last night. I think it was the second pitch. Fist uh, inside, and he just nodded and smiled at the pitcher. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You yeah, want Jamie? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was obvious enough that the pitcher would notice. You know, it wasn't like he's psyching himself up. It's this is now psychological warfare I'm engaging in. And then when he drives the ball to right field, he had a party on second base when he got there, a la Tyler Holt back in the day. Yeah, I will tell you this: uh, a double to get things started in the ninth off a guy that was All Conference a year ago and what is one of the better pitchers in their league who throws hard, and the fact that he barreled it up, it was on a rope. I mean, that is reason to be very pumped. You're you're trying to start the go ahead rally in the ninth inning on the road. I, I I'm I'm a, it's not the third inning of a nothing nothing game. I mean, I'll, I'll give him that. Sure. So maybe it's not totally Tyler Holt. Uh, <laughs> right, they, right. He would do right. that in, in the third inning of, of uh, the situation you're speaking. Correct. But I, I did like that the the shortstop cut off the the throw in, and he's just waiting to see. He's holding on so him. Nuts. He's yeah. Like, yeah. He didn't touch him. Just he wanted to see how nuts are you going to go here, yeah, man? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, agreed. They they do, and uh, the staff has that as well, and it starts with their Friday night guy. Very, very intense. I would expect nothing less from a member of the Lighter family, though. Let's hope. I mean, we haven't had it in a while. I'll take an overindulgence in it right now. I mean, we've been, uh, we've been, you know, limp. <laughs> it's been, it's been tough. It's been tough, man. 
the first game I ever saw, I've talked about this a lot, at Shea, was Al Leiter. Uncle Al, as Cam would know him, uh, started against the Cardinals in the, I think it was 99 or 2000. And he would grunt so loudly as he let go of the ball. He was one of the, he's like a tennis player. He's one of the first to really do that. He sounded like he oh, was suffering. Yeah, it was, loud, he was very pitching. loud. I'm in left field in the loge. That is way up. It is the green section, not quite the upper deck, but I'm in, I'm basically on the foul pole. You can hear it from all the way there. <laughs> That's how intense Al was on every pitch. Now he was a lefty that threw one hell of a cutter borderline. You know, it was an all-star cutter every year. But Cam has it. He's he's wired very tightly. That's fine. That's fine by me. Lewis wants to know, and I'll do it on time today just because of you, Lewis. Good job. What is there more of? A, run scored versus FSU softball in Clearwater. B, days of ACC media days. <laughs> or C, Zaxby's in Tallahassee. Going to go see Zaxby's in Tallahassee. It was not a banner weekend for the girls in Clearwater. I understand that number was lopsided. Uh, but you know what? 61 Zaxby's here in Tallahassee is more than, of course, the uh, days of ACC media, which is four. Uh, even if you wanted to stay for all of it, it would maybe be five if you gave yourself a day to chill after all the interviews. Uh, and then, of course, I know that we gave up a 20 spot in one of those games and 14 in another, but it's not going to surpass the 60-plus here of Zaxby's in Tallahassee. So make sure you stop by one of the said Zaxby's and get yourself either the uh, Philly chicken sandwich, which I said on this show was surprisingly good. That's the most ringing endorsement you're going to get. When I went into it skeptical, I said it was surprisingly good. And then, of course, the fingers are always good. And the sandwich is always good. What are you going to do? It's good. And, and the salads. I want to congratulate uh, Lewis, first of all. Uh, that is the first double dip in, in the history of the chat. So there you go. It's a Heisen League law firm chat asking about a sponsor. That is very forward-thinking stuff from Lewis right there. It's almost like we know him and we asked him to do such a thing, but he didn't. He didn't. Just, we, we didn't. Right. That's we, we did not ask him to do such a thing, so that's great. I do believe, though, if you're a member of ACC staff who has to attend this perhaps the second to last or the last of its kind of uh, ACC media days. Mm -hmm. You probably want an extended stay hotel that has a washer and dryer in the unit. I mean, you're going to be there for setup and breakdown for <laughs> six days, seven days in Charlotte. Good Lord. Did you, I'm not going to segue. There's no good segue. You're right about that. Uh, no good segue for this, except for, I thought it was interesting. Uh, there was an on three story by Nick Schultz about how Gus Malzahn, uh, revealed how he discovered Mike Norvell and Eli Drinkwitz. Did you see this? I guess not. Malzahn left Arkansas to become the assistant head coach at Tulsa, wanted to take Rhett Lashley with him. By, by the way, Rhett Lashley, good choice. The two worked together at Springdale, Arkansas High School. Malzahn was hoping to hire Lashley as a graduate assistant at Tulsa. However, plans changed. Malzahn had to go another direction. He turned to Don Strubing. Another assistant. I'm giving. I'm getting to it, guys. Trust me. Strubing led Malzahn to a graduate assistant at Central Arkansas, who ended up accepting the position as he kicked off his coaching career, and it was Mike Norvell. Did you know that? I did not. I did not. Know I knew that, that there was a, a Malzahn route. I didn't know exactly how it happened, uh, but you can tell. I mean, it seemed forward thinking at the time when we played Auburn that season. You watched them that season in 2013. But it it was the first time I really saw up tempo and thought it was a team was tough. I mean, up tempo was 
finesse. It was air raid. It was Graham Harrell. Yeah. It was, you know, mm-hmm. 60 points and it was passive. But the way Gus ran it was it's a dive. And if you're not prepared to bow up and stop it on first down, man, we're going to batter you in the trenches. And that's how we're going to get the, the speed going. You see that in what Mike does. Now, he wants to go faster than they actually did. They were pretty slow last year, very slow, in fact. But there's, I mean, when you watch those practices, you can see it's in him. He would really like to up the tempo a little bit, and he wants to do do so through the physicality on the ground. I, I Yeah, and I love this version of uh, what he took from Gus, because you know I'm not a fan of where Gus is at at this point in his career. I don't think he does a very good job, uh, and, and he's, he's an overrated coach. Uh, but, but one of the things that, you can always learn from somebody and Mike was young and he took the facets of the offense that he liked and he grabbed from other areas as well. I mean, most of these guys put together sort of a hodgepodge of their teachers, of their influences. And we all do that, right? We're the sum of our experiences and you take from every boss that you have or coworker you have that you value something that they do. It could be a habit. It could be a philosophy. It could be schematic in the case of football. I like that Mike has done a very good job of taking those things and then adding to it, adding elements of other offenses that he likes or how he can adapt it to his players, to his, you know, that's the thing. You go back to Memphis to where we are now, you'll see Mike has been pretty varied. Yes, there are standard operating procedures. There are things that are going to be part of a Mike Norvell offense the way it's going to be with any coach, but he is not – just so steadfastly waiting for somebody to fit this role. If it doesn't exist, he'll adapt and adjust parts of his offense and incorporate others to fit his personnel. And coaches say they want to do that, and coaches will claim that they do that, but they don't. They don't do it. I mean, we've. I mean, what was our frustration with Jimbo Fisher? There are plenty of guys who refused to acquiesce and decide I don't have what I need to run this the way I want to run it, so this year we're just going to have to lean heavy on this, this, and this, which is a little more than than I want to, but it's what fits our personnel. Coaches all say they're going to do that. Not all of them do do that. Mike so far has shown that he could do that, will do that, and he's more than willing to do it on the fly. What I thought was fascinating, and you and I have brought this up before, and it segues nicely in this conversation – Last year was the first year where I saw some shortcomings, and I don't mean that as in Mike is, you know, and there's no perfect coach. Everybody deals with this, right? And everybody has years where they're really, really on top of things and doing quite well, or they're operating to peak efficiency, and others there are not. And there's a myriad of reasons for that. Sometimes it's injuries. Sometimes it's any number of things, limitations for certain players. But Mike couldn't find a way around their failures on first down in the running game. He really struggled to adapt to that. And most people would. If your offensive line is not stout, is not consistently good, is littered with injury, and then you couple it and marry it with other injuries to key skill position players, uh, it's going to be tough to run the things that you want to run. But you saw some of that last year, Tom, where he kind of just, I mean, almost threw his hands in the air against Clemson. I mean, that was sort of a, all right, time to go with the Jeff Bowden jump ball. Let's do it. Because that's all that offense became in the second half. And that's all that Clemson was giving. I mean, they had one-on-ones for much of the day. Clemson was saying, here you go. Your best two receivers on an island. Let's see what you can do with them. And eventually it worked. But the defense had to spark it for, for the whole thing to get going. And that was the Deloach play. The thing I would say about the evolution of Mike Norvell, 
at least like it might have always been him, but we have the information now as fans because we've seen a couple different scenarios. He plays to his defense on offense. You can say that now. A couple of years ago, um, you know, the opening game against Notre Dame, how aggressive he was on fourth down. And yeah, he knew they weren't going to get stops. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, I mean, he's playing a hunch, perhaps an educated hunch of that <laughs> as to where his defense is, how much energy they have. I've got to go for it now. In, in baseball parlance, the ninth inning is now. I don't care that it says six on the board. Mm-hmm. This is the situation. I need my closer. But if you think about how he managed this year, especially in Jordan Travis's injury, but even before that, with all the injuries to his other skill position players, and Jordan was himself fine at the time, there were days where Mike said, man, all I need to do is protect this defense from short fields, and they're going to get the ball back for us. They are not going to give up enough long drives, sustained drives for us to lose this football game. So let's dial it back. Let's slow the pace down. Let's be a little bit more conservative. Let's stay away from turnovers. And I just I, I applaud that because there are fourth down decisions and that's part of the math. But then there's also game management decisions on how many possessions you want to offer up, how fast do you want to go. Mm-hmm. And so now we've seen, I, I think, a little bit of both out of Mike Norvell. You've seen somebody who is uber aggressive and is willing to go for it on fourth and four from his own side of the 50 yard line at a time when conventional wisdom would tell you ah, that's probably a little bit too much. But then you're also seeing man, my guys are banged up, but my defense isn't but my defense isn't. So let's get this thing home instead of trying to go for a 20 point win. Let's just go get that seven to 10 point win and, and not turn the ball over the ACC championship game being one that I'll always remember, not because of the screw job after it uh, or the fact that, you know, I was sitting on the 50 in the, in a wonderful box with my friends at the battles in, but because Tom, uh, I saw a coach show incredible maturity. You know, because a, a guy recognized this kid doesn't have it tonight. He's, he's He's been thrown into a very unfortunate set of circumstances. Found out last second our quarterback couldn't play, and we did not prepare this game plan for this kid. And he's clearly – it's too fast for him right now. But I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to give this away trying to force the issue. I'm an offensive-minded guy. I want to throw the ball. I have some weapons. I feel like I could move the ball here. Every offensive guy does. You know, they don't want to back off what they do, right? They all want to fall back on certain principles. Mike didn't abandon them. He just decided he'd run five plays. <laughs> These five. And and many of them are going to be out of the Wildcat. And that is going to be that because I'm not going to lose this game with a dumb turnover in my own end trying to force passes that just aren't there or that he's not processing. I'm not going to try to rely on something that is just not element, you know, obvious in the game plan tonight because this defense can dominate and you can win games 10 to 3, 16 to 6, you know, 17 to, you know, 7. You can win games that way. And while in the moment we may be left scratching our heads, afterwards, in a few days go by, you think back on the fact that you're a conference champion, that you had an undefeated season, and you did it in a lot of different ways. That's a sign of real maturity. Yeah, I think, look, you don't necessarily want to try to guide something in, in the sporting sense if you're the athlete. If you try to avoid an injury, you'll suffer one. If you try to groove a pitch, you're going to groove it the wrong way, as in it's going to be on a tee for the guy at the plate. But as a coach, you have to think that way. Uh, in in some circumstances and this past year I think he was just trying to navigate through the weaknesses the injuries 
the circumstances that he, uh, he's got a flu game. He's got injuries to his receivers in the pit game and everything in between where he's like, I just got to guide this thing home. And he thought rightly so, in my opinion, still, if we just win all our games, I'll go for broke when we get to the show, when we get to the invitational, when we get to the final four. And I'll be rested. Right, right. Yeah. The, the rotation of the players on defense, that's a great point. The rotation on the defensive front, linebacker rotation, which was sometimes very aggressive. But he was playing the long game. The committee, ridiculous as it was, did not reward him for that. But you could tell that there was a greater picture at play when he was making decisions on second down and eight with 10 minutes to go in the second quarter. He was managing to the end goal. It's just that we got screwed at the end goal. If you've been in an accident, call Heisen Linko Law Firm at 813-803-0733 for a free consul- consultation. Chef Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply hello there podcasters oh don't worry i won't prattle on for two minutes like i do with some of the other reads zaxby's doesn't demand it of me <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a Beer Giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just huh? make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Well, there is only one reason I stop in this place. Let me stress it, it ain't the cuisine. It's Jeff Cameron show rolling on on a balls make Wednesday. And, uh, I hate to, I hate to draw attention to, uh, to things that, I mean, we mentioned earlier the format and college football changing what's agreed upon. And I see some of you, uh, in the, uh, Heisen Linka chat discussing the new format and what will happen with Notre Dame and whether or not they're going to join a conference. Don't you suspect Tom that will eventually be the big 10, 
Uh, just as most people have suspected. James B., I saw you talking in there, suspected Florida State will end up in the SEC. I kind of do too, by the way. I know most of our fan base wants to be in the Big Ten because they they don't you know they hate the SEC. I get it, but I think we're going to end up in the SEC eventually. Could be wrong on that. Could be wrong as long as we're one of, one of the two. That's all I care about. Um, but I, I was laughing, and again, I hate to draw attention to a guy I make fun of all the time because it just probably serves as pos- positive reinforcement. But uh, quote unquote, Paul Feinbaum, the big controversy is going to be with Notre Dame. What if Notre Dame is number one? Uh, it's their own fault. Notre Dame remains independent for what reason? Quote unquote. I don't know. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. They've been dependent for 135 years because they could be. Yeah, they're on television contract. They could because they could. They are because they could. Now, they may be forced into this, but don't pretend like you don't know why. It's ridiculous. Well, and that contract, truthfully, really isn't even that lucrative. Like if, if you're looking at it against the payouts for the Power Two, even you know the ACC, when they joined us that one year, it was $26 million. For the COVID season. Mm-hmm. So every ACC member institution got $1 million. You know, like it's 26 plus they get some cut of the revenue for games that they're a part of with the ACC or the Big Ten. So they're making more money than that. But it's not like TV was this giant windfall for them because they've got the money. They don't need the television money. Now, it might be getting to such a place, and I think it is going to such a place, if these contracts are actually going to get paid out and you know, cable networks aren't going to go under or be forced to mm-hmm. renegotiate these terms. Like it might be getting to a place where Notre Dame has to join a conference, and they can use it under the guise of, "Well, we weren't going to get a bye week anyway, so we, we we figured it was time." But it's just kind of crazy to me because we talk about independence; it's only football. That's all that's left. They've had two alliances in the last twenty years, right. scheduling alliances, a proper conference alliance with the ACC, the way that they do now. I mean. I don't think it's that monumental of a moment for Notre Dame to commit to a conference. I think they just want to see how the power two is going to shake out and then make their decision. It just, the big 10 makes more sense than anything else. If they join the sec, that would be just the weirdest thing. I almost feel like that would be the counterpunch to if the sec got Florida state or sorry, if the big 10 got Florida state, then the sec would want to go get Notre Dame. So that one flag is planted by and you power return the plant. Yeah. And you return the favor and the SEC returns the favor and say, all right, well, the Midwest, we're in business in the Midwest now, but we'll see how it all shakes out. going to be bizarre. James, you want to know about our legal analyst to discuss what the ACC filed on Friday? I, I, I had a conversation with Andy Stables about this um, that we played on uh, Monday or Tuesday, whatever day that was. And then uh, yeah, Monday. And then also uh, as more of this stuff, is laid bare and there's something of more significance we will in fact have uh people back on to discuss this i i I will say this if you look at the two the acc and fsu it's the same type of relief requested by fsu in the north carolina suit that's what the acc did in the florida suit so they laid out their reasons for dismissal of the fsu suit asked the court alternatively instead of ruling on the dismissal to wait until the north carolina case is decided upon uh, the only difference is due to the different state laws regarding civil procedure, the ACC was required to file its brief with its motion, which is why it was 144 pages long. And so I don't think Florida State had 14 days to respond. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I, it's a similar motion. I, I, the two are just 
saying the same things. No, look at ours first, and it should be in Florida. No, look at ours first, it should be in North Carolina. Yeah, I think the, the key will be the next couple of moves in terms of legal analysis. The, the biggest takeaway from last week was, in fact, that the ACC was willing to put, their lawyers were willing to put. That you can buy back your rights, yes. That we're open for business. All right. I mean, now we're talking, it, it, you know, you can buy back your rights. We never said you couldn't. Like, that's basically what they're saying, which is news. It's not, we own your ass. There's a difference between a tenor of, we own your ass. I don't know what you're trying to do versus, well, I mean, if you want your rights, you could always, you know, like buy them. What do you say, Florida State? That That's the tenor that changed. But we'll see what the next round of uh, filings look like. Yeah, the ACC's motion to dismiss Asked for specific relief uh, while explaining why it's entitled to that relief in detail. If you if you want that part of it, now I, I, listen again. I am not. Uh, I don't think equipped to kind of off the cuff state what I think about these things. I am not a lawyer. I've read these things. I've I've <laughs> I've referred to lawyers as I try to get a handle on what any of this means. And then I type in my notes those answers so that I can have a general uh, observation and sort of have context for the conversation. But again, I am not an expert. I'm I'm not qualified to have that conversation. And we will have those that are when something of of meat is is on the bone. There was interesting. We didn't talk about this in the wake of the Andy interview because we were moving on to different topics. But didn't you find it interesting? That um, as it pertained to, uh, you know, the networks working together, you know, they've got this linear little stripped down bundle that they're trying to sell. So ESPN and Fox are working together on that one part. But you could hear it in Andy's voice and you can see it in some of the reports that have come out that while ESPN has an agreement for how much they would pay for the college football playoff, Mm -hmm. it's not signed yet because they don't know what they're signing. Like they don't know what the layout is going to be of the conferences. And it sounds like their ESPN is now saying, look, take it or leave it. We have a deal. We have we have principles agreed to. I just I find that interesting because clearly that means big surprise here that ESPN's news outlet, its its news division was reporting that is done, that their deal with the college football playoff, the, the terms, all of it, according to sources, ESPN has earned the deal. Like that was reported as done, but apparently it's still in flux, which I find as a fascinating subplot here as you're trying to figure out the future of television sports and college sports that while ESPN was waving the flag and saying mission accomplished on a ship, mission ain't accomplished yet. Man. They don't have that deal. Uh, no. And I, again, this is a, a surface level you know, cursory glance at the overall news that we've had in the last several weeks. But while you watch ESPN and Fox come together at the same time that the Big Ten and the SEC form an advisory group, which then also asks for more of the money, <laughs> you can kind of see where we're headed here. Just, you know, just take a 10000 uh, foot view, square, you know, foot view. Just like, hey, what's going on here? It looks like this is all coming together this way. 
Yeah, you just this is where the third party, you wish it was there to just push them over the edge and say, all right, now work together. You're both falling. There's one parachute. You know, like this mm-hmm. is it. You mm-hmm. work together because it, it, it's almost like a, a conference. In one ballroom, you've got these discussions about the channels. In this other ballroom, ESPN's trying to get a leg up on Fox. But according to the athletics reporting this week, which they just got uh, Marshan from the Post. Yeah. So now he's doing work for them. According to his people, ESPN's very frustrated that the college football playoff has not accepted their television deal at this point. And they're saying, hey, you're on the clock here, playoff committee. You're on the clock to say yes to us. But when it comes to the struggle between Fox, ESPN, SEC, and Big Ten, if ESPN owns the playoff and they can sublet it to Fox, that is a huge leverage chip that they don't they thought they had, but they don't actually have just yet, officially. Yeah, right. And that was yesterday's report, right, with Andrew Marchand um, in The Athletic, was that, that you know they wanted to find clarity this week, but they haven't up to this point. ESPN has agreed to terms with representatives for college football playoffs on a six-year, $7.8 billion, billion sorry, dollar extension to televise the event through 2031-2032, but the commissioners and the presidents that run the CFP – haven't agreed on any aspects of the format beyond the 12-team model in place for the next two seasons, setting up a you know a few days of uh, of arguments in these meetings. That that's where we we're getting to. And then now today was the idea that it was agreed upon the five and seven. The the model of uh, yeah the who model gets auto bids yeah right that yeah. part's been agreed upon, but everything else hasn't. But not the TV contract. Right. So again, Which, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. something that ESPN is reporting is done, but to use one of their uh, cornerstones of college football coverage, not so fast, my friend. Like they, they don't have it done just yet. And when you're talking about a power struggle, owning the playoff for ESPN is a real good way to get Fox to sometimes bend the knee if they want to distribute some of their, if they want Big Ten versions of playoff games that they would have to pay ESPN. This is going to go, the, uh, the next conversation once this is worked out is uh, rolling into 16. We're, go, we're, we're going to 16 teams. You can see where this is headed. Um, there, there's money on the table that they're leaving behind otherwise. So they're, they're not going to do that, Tom. <laughs> Time is a flat circle, man. This is the NCAA <laughs> March Madness tournament. You know, this is, well, if we had more games, and this is this is why the, the regular season for college football 30 years from now won't mean diddly. You know, really, you'll know who your power players are. You're going to make the playoff, and it's just a matter of what you do then. It's still going to mean a whole lot over the next decade, but I, I doubt it after that. Wouldn't you love it if one of these guys in, in a press conference or when they were asked a question leaving, very frustrated from the meeting, actually quoted True Detective and did the thing, and we're like, it's Carcosa or whatever that was. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. We'll do this all again. Time <laughs> is a flat circle. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hey, Seminoles, we all know how important it is to score in the red zone, but are you prepared for success in the retirement red zone? Five years leading up to your retirement date and the immediate five years after are a critical time of thoughtful planning for you and your family. And our friend and fellow Noel, Adam Tolliver, and his team at Artisan Financial Strategies are prepared to coach you to victory. Some of us, well, we're at midfield and want to plan ahead. Others are ready to punch it in on the goal line. They're making sure you know how much you can spend without running out of money, protecting yourself and your family against rising health care costs, or carefully planning your legacy. The Artisan team brings a combined 30-plus years of planning experience and world-class resources to help you navigate the way. 
For more information, just head over to KnollRetirement.com. Now, that's one word, KnollRetirement.com. The Jeff Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. So I'm going to get an opportunity uh, to have a little fun in Vegas. No JCS on Friday. No JCS on Friday. No JCS on Monday. But we will be with you here tomorrow. Off to Vegas I go after tomorrow for a few days of uh, rest, relaxation. A little U2 in the sphere should be a lot of fun. Me and the missus. But I bring that up just so you know, scheduling-wise, no Friday, no Monday show. But, hey, Tom, I'm looking forward to seeing the new football stadium. I haven't been out there since they built that stadium. I kind of want to see that monstrosity. I doubt they'll let me tour inside or anything like that, but I'd like to see it. I have not been out there since before the pandemic. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And you're going in the sphere is really cool, too. I wonder what uh, what interesting pictures they're going to put on the outside that you can uh, snap as you're walking in. I'm looking forward to all of it. I, I've been told by those that have been out there to see it that it's amazing, and uh, I, I'm, I'm told that it can be overwhelming. I haven't been to too many things that I was overwhelmed by, uh, but, you know, it would be pretty interesting to do that again. Like I, By the way, as an aside, uh, this, uh, this got brought up by uh, our boss uh, and, and mutual friend, Gene Williams. He and his wife have gone to that, right, and he talked about that. And then from there, somehow that spun off into a conversation that I had with somebody else about things that are overwhelming visually or emotionally or otherwise. And I was trying to think about it. I've brought this up before. Have was the last time you were scared in a movie? Have you been scared as an adult in a movie? Oh, um, no, not the way that you're talking about. You know, you could watch a documentary or a movie and be scared about what humans are capable of. Oh, uh, yeah, you can be overwhelmed by the nastiness of the world. Sure, yeah, that's sure. true. That's different. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I'm telling you, The Ring was the last one. It was the okay. night that the TV, right. TV came on in the middle of the night, freshman year. Gonna keep asking it, man. I can't find anybody who's actually been scared in a movie, and that's funny because TPE just mentioned The Ring, and I've still never seen it. And that's the same one you said last time. I'm just trying to think, like. Uh, has something else come out that maybe I've missed and you see more movies than I do? I was just kind of wondering if there was anything in the genre at all. I haven't seen anything that scared me in years and years and years. I got to tell you, the latest Hulk movie was pretty scary. What? The Hulk movie? I'm kidding. Oh, I was like, what are you talking <laughs> First of all, I didn't know there was another one. No, there wasn't. Uh, but, I, you know, I figured I could bluff there. You could have bluffed because I wouldn't have known. But as a kid, I loved the television show, this the series. I love the Hulk. I should have said the Hulk and the Headless Horseman. You'd have been like, oh, I'm sure it was great. <laughs> I don't know. You wouldn't have got me with the Headless Horseman, which they've already made. Uh, but no, you would have had to pick something else superhero-y for me. Uh, I think it would have been, yeah, I would have been like, oh, I, I didn't know that was a thing. Um, and I also, I lose track of how many of within the genre of superhero and comic book movies, how many they've made and who's what. 
that I that's where I sound entirely old and misinformed and all of it. I think they're all together. I don't know which one is Marvel and which one is the other thing. Uh, that would be DC Comics. Yeah, DC. I don't know the difference. I don't know who's what in the Marvel family or the DC family. I'm sure I could greatly offend somebody by saying something was DC if it was Marvel or Marvel if it was DC. I don't know the nuance of what, why one is winning the war of making bad superhero movies and the other is losing the war of making silly comic book movies. I don't know why that works. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, DC is uh, better in the animation family, uh, the movie family. It's really not a it's not a close race. All that DC has is uh, the Nolan Batman's and the Joker movie, which is of DC because the character is the Joker, but that really isn't in the spirit of um, you know summer blockbustery Marvel movies. So I like yeah. the dark ones. Then I would be on that side. I like that yeah. those movies. Yes, yeah. the Joker is is my right up my alley. That's great. I like that. And and the Christopher Nolan stuff was great too. You like me would lean very much on the DC side of the equation. It's just that when they decide to make a movie in the summer and they try to do blockbustery, well, you just want to vomit. You just want to vomit in your chair. It's terrible. Pitch a Penny Pools and Spas has everything you need for pool maintenance. Chemicals, cleaners, pumps, vacuums, nets, covers, you name it, they got it. By the way, here's the best part of what they're having me tell you about right now. I think this is awesome. I do. I actually do. If you've got an older hot tub, you ever been at a friend's house and they got an old hot tub? Like, oh, that thing has seen better days. And usually all the stuff around it is a little shaky too. You're like, it's going to break down. I don't feel good about this. Well, now you don't have to worry about it. Your friend can get the get what needs to be done done. Uh, you've been putting it off. You want an upgrade. Don't know how to remove that nasty ass tub from your deck. They'll come get it. They'll remove it, haul it away. Your old beat-up tub, no more. They'll get you a trade-in credit towards your new tub. They'll bring that one over, install it. Forget about it, buddy. You're all good to go. Go see my friends at Pinch a Penny there on Greer Street. Good times. I like that one. We don't have the floating whatever that critter was. We don't have that, but we have the <laughs> The floating otter. Yeah, the otter. That's yes. right. We had the otter. That's usually that's usually the sign off for um, Probables, which is going to be spun off, and it, it's not going to be on the channel this year because we're going to restore the music to it. So Probables, I was going to bring this up late in the show because it's late in the show. Um, do you? I mean, are you ready? I mean, do we do Probables for spring training tomorrow? If you want to, I mean, look, it's not like we've got. Uh, Six more newcomer interviews of over at Florida State tomorrow where we get to talk to transfers that are going to whoop ass for Florida State. So I think we could spare a few minutes. Uh, is it just the one game, though? Yeah, I think it's just the one game. You really probably uh, can. I, I don't want to miss out on doing it, by the way. And it's Stone versus Musgrove. I could do it. I mean, we could hit Probibles, and I could say it's Stone versus Musgrove, and we could, you know, there we go. I'd have it. I mean, we know who's pitching. Gavin Stone is pitching for the Dodgers, and Joe Musgrove is pitching for the Padres. And I've also seen some announcements, some – Temporary announcements of who's pitching for Kansas City at Texas, the White Sox and the Cubs, the Padres and the Dodgers. Yeah, it's all there before us, buddy. My Pirates take on uh, Dr. Quinn's uh, twins over the weekend. It is. Oh, there, yeah, there, you there you go. Here we go. 
little uh, south central southwest Florida, a uh, little geography battle right there. It's uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I um I I I'm just happy that when I get home, the the sounds of baseball on the MLB app on my uh, Hulu will be going on. It'll be loud. The sound of the ball hitting the mitt, the cleats walking onto the cement, the the smells, the organ, all of that. We get it back again, and I couldn't be more late. I sat patiently last night watching this baseball team win. You know how sometimes you have to exercise a muscle that you haven't exercised in a while. That was, I mean, in person, it's different. Like, going to the game over the weekend at Hauser, I always loved that. It was a great atmosphere. By the way, Tommy, you'd have been surprised. It was cold weather over the weekend, but it was packed. Both games, including the Sunday game, absolutely packed. So people were starving for baseball. It was good to see. Um, That's a little different when you're there in person. So I wondered last night as I sat back to watch us beat Jacksonville what that would look like. And you know what? Boom. I was locked in, saw every pitch of that game. Every last pitch of that game. And I get that zone that only baseball allows you to get into where there's a rhythm to it. And it's trickled down. You've noticed that they you've got the clock in baseball, in Major League Baseball, which is done in Minor League Baseball, which is done now in college baseball. It's a beautiful thing. We're moving it along, baby, moving it along. But it's still perfectly rhythmic in that way. Yeah, we've restored it to what it once was. You know, this is not something that, that's the the misnomer about the pitch clock. It's not something to appease the next generation with bad, you know, attention spans. Like that that's a benefit of it. But if you watch baseball in its purest form decades ago, it moved at this pace. Human rain delays were outliers, not the norm. So it's nice to have that back. There are times though where where you do have to catch yourself like, "Ooh, the old habits kick in. You're like, well, he's not going to throw a pitch for another 10 seconds. Let me get him. No, no, he's, he's going to throw. Oh, man. Whoops, he, that's my bad. Yeah, I'm in the process of reading Joe Posnanski's latest book, Why We Love Baseball. So that is in, you know, properly indoctrinating me back into baseball, doing that, reading some other stuff. Yeah, I've gone all there, rekindled the stories. All that's left, a couple baseball movies with me and the kids. We're set. I'm trying. I'm trying very hard to get those kids to jump on board uh, and feel it the same way I do. They push back. They're still – it's football, football, football all the time, followed by basketball. Take them up here for a few games. They got two teams in town. You got the Phillies two hours away. You could do a whole tour up here for a little baseball trip in the summer. On a serious note, uh, yes, by the way, that is serious, and I will do that, and we're going to have a good time. Uh this has been mentioned several times in the chat today. I have not mentioned it. Somebody texted me as well. We could not get confirmation on this only because I don't want you to think that I would have ignored this. And I am hoping, perhaps against hope, I hope not, that it's not not an actual life event that has occurred here. But there have been some folks that have suggested in more than one spot that Moses McRae has passed away, former Seminole. I don't know it to be true, so I'm not going to go down a long rabbit hole and discuss this at length because maybe it didn't happen. Maybe it's not real. Maybe it's just a terrible rumor. But the people who suggested it, and including the one who texted me, don't seem like the type of people who would engage in that. It also seems very random. Um, I would say, too, it would be quite the ruse for no reason. Um, I did take a look at Facebook, and that's usually where you find some bad news because you have relatives. Mm-hmm. And it does it does seem as though pending some sort of ridiculous you know ruse family members of of moses mccray have posted on their accounts that uh, we lost moses oh man i'm gonna tell you that really it's obviously again if we're being played by somebody who is sick then my apologies here but I, i will tell you that 
if that's real, and, and like I said, Tom, you have some family members who've said this, so it seems to be the case. You remember my bit. Go tell it to Moses McRae. Go tell it to Moses McRae. And I smile saying it because it was such a fun thing, and it was really a testament and a doffing the cap to a guy who was banged up but wanted to stay in shape so that when he got his opportunity to, to play meaningful snaps for Florida State at defensive tackle, he could, and he was always on the bike. He was always pushing on the bike, fighting to get ready, fighting to get back, fighting to be healthy, to have a chance to play. And so for those that always wondered where that came from, where somebody would be complaining about a shoulder problem or somebody would be complaining about a knee or somebody would be complaining about the heat, I'd say, go tell it to Moses McCray who was pedaling his fat ass off on that bike every single day like a man. And he was a big man, pedaling and pedaling and pedaling. And so I would listen to the crybabies of the ilk there and say, oh, you go tell it to Moses McRae. That's a monster over there pedaling that bike. It's 98 out here. Look at him. All 300-plus pounds just pedaling. His butt barely fits the seat, and he's pedaling away. And I say that with great fondness, not just because of the bit, but for the admiration of the work ethic and the effort from the man. If it's true that he's passed, I'm so sorry to hear it. I hate it, and it's heartbreaking because um, that would make him 34, 35 years old. That's hard to fathom. That was also at a, at a time where Florida State football wasn't great. It was, uh, yeah, one of the first promos I cut um, as an intern was the Moses McRae promo. He had uh, a decent night against North Carolina. The comeback, uh, Rod Owens and, and Christian Ponder to Bo Relliford. Oh, my goodness gracious. You're going to bring up that as a fond memory, Christian Ponder to Bo Relliford on a beautiful throw. Yeah, I watched the first half in one place, and I went to a different place, and it felt like I, I did the reverse jinx because that's when the comeback was on. Moses had a TFL that night. Uh, he didn't make it on the field for a whole lot of his Florida State career. He ended up going to Akron in 2013 mm -hmm. after injuries and a transfer, and he had four tackles for loss for Akron to close out his college career. Uh, but the night against North Carolina, he made a standout play at a couple of tackles, um, holding it down in the middle as FSU rallied to beat the Tar Heels. Well, uh, yeah. you know, again, and I hate it, it's cliche. Everybody always talks about, oh, it puts things in perspective whenever you have a tragedy or anything like that. And it just seems like a, a, a knee-jerk thing to say or an easy thing to say or a crutch of some sort. Um, but but honestly, if, if that's true, again, our condolences to his family, way too, way too young, way too young. And I once talked to Moses McRae, by the way, about the promo. Did I, did I ever tell you that? No, I never heard that. He didn't understand it. He didn't know what I was doing. He, oh. He, he, <laughs> no, and I, I don't mean that as an insult. If you don't listen to the show, you don't get the spirit with which it was said, right? You wouldn't know. I was actually kind of holding him on high uh, for for being diligent at a time where he wasn't getting on the field. Now, the, it started out maybe me kind of needling, but it ended up being more like, all right, I see you, big man. I see no, you. It was, yeah. it was the coaches get weepy-eyed talking about the effort. Moses is killing himself to get on the field here, and you guys on the field are taking it lollygagging, doing nothing. You take that half-assed effort, and you go tell it to Moses McRae. Like, oh, yeah, man, I, I remember that segment. Um, yeah, so he asked me. He basically said to me one time, he's like, uh, hey, man, he was jogging by. He was like, hey, man, uh, what does that mean? I, my friends tease me, and they've talked about it. What does it even mean? And I was just like, no, no. And I was like, talking about you. 
being tough. It's you being tough while some other guys aren't being tough. So that's all, that's all it was. Uh, I won't belabor the point. I didn't want think, people to think we were ignoring it. Didn't want th- people to think that we didn't care. We do. If it's true, rest in peace, Moses McRae. All right, Tom, good rest of the day for you, sir. Tomorrow we will be back again. Another reminder, no show Friday, no show Monday, but uh, tomorrow we are good to go. Maybe we can get some wagers in there for the golf in Mexico. Have a good day, kids. Good work out of you, Tom. Good work, director. Be well, everybody. Peace.